I want to thank you for this opportunity to come to be with you, uh, to have this opportunity to share with you an update on the work and ministry of Sunny Glen Children's Home uh, in San Benito, Texas. And this is a work that is very dear to our hearts as uh, for the last year, I've served there as the executive director of the home, and it was a big change uh, for my family and I, uh, leaving the piney woods of East Texas where we had called home, and we were very comfortable there, but this opportunity afforded itself, and it was something that we felt uh, was a wonderful opportunity to potentially have a great impact on the lives of children who need exactly what we talked about this morning, that they come from homes that are broken, and they are directly suffering because of the attack that Satan has perpetrated upon families all across this nation. And I appreciate the support of this congregation for this work uh, and for this ministry. There we go. There's no doubt we understand God's design for the family. And as I mentioned this morning, we look out among this crowd and we see parents with young children. And I think you take very seriously the responsibility of nurturing and raising your children to understand not just what love is and what compassion is, but actually the source of all those things. And, and that certainly being our Father in Heaven. And I know you strive to educate your children and teach them that we're the people we are, not just because we think it's good for us, but because we know it's God's will for us. But it doesn't take long to look out across our nation and, and our world and see that Satan's attack on the homes and families has caused a devastating effect and is impacting the lives of children all over this world. But you know, what we seek to restore is God's pattern. We call ourselves the New Testament church, and we want to practice New Testament Christianity, and we want to get back to doing Bible things, Bible ways. And I think God's design for the family is very clear. In Colossians chapter 3, and verse 18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And I think we would all look at that and say, Amen. That's the ultimate goal of every Christian home and household. But what happens when Satan's impact comes into those homes? I appreciated the prayer that was said earlier in our service. I think Brother Weldon mentioned that God works through brokenness. I want you to know something today. We need to recognize our brokenness before God. We need to recognize that without Him, we're nothing. And you may come from a home where you had a loving father and a loving mother who were devoted Christians and they raised you and taught you and trained you and, and you're in the Lord's kingdom today because of the decisions they made to serve God. But I want you to understand, you still have a great need for Jesus. And just because other people's needs may seem more obvious, in no way takes away from our need for a Savior. Now, at Sunny Glen, what we strive to do is take children who were not afforded what God designed for them to have. 
They don't have a loving mother that's submissive to the leadership of a husband in the home who is nurturing and caring. They don't have a father who works very hard to provide the basic necessities even for those, child to, those children to live and to thrive and to learn about God. And we take those children and we try to provide for them a new hope, a new life, and a new day. I want to tell you, every single day is new. And every single day we see our children, and I want to tell you, there are good days and there are bad days. There are days where they suffer because of the trauma that they've influenced or that they've been exposed to early in their life and it impacts the decisions that they make, but we strive to be a lot to them at Sunny Glen Children's Home. You know, we have a culture of traumatized children. And when I say traumatized children, I'm not talking about children who have experienced the loss of a parent or the loss of a loved one. I'm talking about severe developmental trauma that happens early in life. And I want to share just some statistics with you. You know, 60% of adults report childhood trauma. And that trauma could be emotional abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. It could be emotional abuse. And And we are seeing in our culture children exposed to things early in life that ultimately impact the way that their minds work and ultimately impact their decision making. And and it causes them to suffer developmentally and it causes a lot of other issues in their life. 26% of U.S. children will experience severe trauma before the age of four. You know, it's one thing for me to suffer a traumatic event being 38 years old, understanding that, you know, what life happens, and I have to work to endure those things and make godly decisions and choices regardless of my circumstances, but a four-year-old child who is beaten, who is sexually molested, who is told that they're worthless every single day of their life, how is that child supposed to grow and have any sense of what we would say would be normalcy? Very difficult. 20% of children witnessed family violence in the previous year. That's one out of five witnessed family violence in the last year. And over 10% of girls ages 14 to 17 experienced sexual assault or abuse in the past 12 months. Now, we can turn our eyes away from that world and act like it doesn't exist. Because 90% of girls aged 14 to 17 won't be sexually assaulted. And we can turn away from those realities of this 10%, but I want to tell you, you're only the 10%. It happens to you. And then it's 100%, isn't it? I want to tell you, we have children on our campus today who have suffered sexual assault. The people that they should have been able to trust the most in their life have violated that trust and broken down and destroyed their mentality of trust and their ability to trust. You know, trauma at an early age causes a lot of emotions such as anger, inappropriate guilt, mistrust, resentment, fear, frustration, hopelessness, and a lot of heightened anxiety. Do we want our children experiencing any of those emotions? Those are the things that we want to shield them from and protect them and not let them experience until they're what? Until they're trained and able to properly adapt and make choices based upon those negative emotions they may suffer. But a young child who's never been taught, all they know is this overwhelming sense 
of emotion that they have to somehow try to make sense of in their life. And I want to tell you, it's a very dark place. I can sit and talk with our children. I could share story after story with you today that would have you in tears, but that's not my intention. But I do want you to recognize the reality that's there. That these children come from a very dark place in life. And maybe you've been there. When I think of pictures and images like this, I think about being in the woods when it's pitch black out. And I remember a time being with my grandfather and my father, and we were in the woods in Oklahoma, and I had been trained from an early age that if you ever get lost and it's dark, because we would go hunting early in the morning, and we would go out about 4 a.m., and it's pitch black, and you can't see your hand in front of your face, and if you ever got separated, you ever got lost, guess what my dad and my grandfather taught me? They said, just stay where you're at because the sun's going to come up. And hopefully you'll be able to recognize something. But I want to tell you, when you're in the middle of that dark place, it's overwhelming fear. But what do we know about Jesus? He came to bring light. John chapter 12 and verse 46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. At Sunny Glen, our desire is to inject and expose these children who come from very dark places of past to the light and not the light of good people who love them, but the light of Jesus Christ. We love our children. And you'll hear me refer to them as our children because we honestly feel that they are ours. They are in our care. And God is providing an opportunity for us to take care of them and to show them something that nowhere else in this world could possibly show them. Because we are God's people. And we've been afforded this great opportunity. Now my background is I spent 15 years in full-time ministry as an evangelist with the Churches of Christ. I spent nine years at Rusk State Hospital where I was in the counseling department. I was a chaplain. I got into state compliance and training and regulations pertaining to mental illness and the, the laws pertaining to clients' rights and those type of issues. And one of the things I learned is every patient we had that was above the age of 18, their problems didn't start when they were 18. Guess what? Every single one of them had suffered early in life because of decisions they made or decisions others around them had made. And it impacted the way that their mind worked. Not an excuse for ungodliness, but a reason for us to try to understand and re-educate and reshape that mind so that it could conform itself to the image of Christ. Because what happens in a child's mind and a child's brain Typical development is here. And I want you to take notice of these different sections here. One is this base section is called survival, and that's located here essentially at the brain stem. And if you think of the brain, you need to think of it as two brains, one being what's called the limbic brain, where impulses travel up through the central nervous system and we have an initial reaction to something. And that would be the brain that we have in common with all other animals that live by instinct and make decisions based upon their perceived need and they just react to situations. But you know, God gave man something different. 
He didn't just give him that limbic brain that could experience what makes us happy and tries to avoid pain, but he gave us something called the outer brain or the prefrontal cortex where we are able to logically reason and make choices and decisions. Well, typical child development in the brain is that reptilian brain or that base brain or that limbic brain is very small as these other layers of the prefrontal cortex develop. But when a child is exposed to severe trauma early on, guess what? The survival brain is heightened and is very sensitive. And they have very little ability to regulate those emotions that they're experiencing, and they certainly can't make sense of what it is they're dealing with. So you see a lot of outbursts. You see a lot of emotional outbursts where this child seems just totally uncontrollable, I want to tell you, it's because this survival brain is dominating. Because for years, they have been trained that they just have to survive. They don't feel loved. They don't feel validated. They don't feel like they matter. And all they're trying to do is survive from one day to the next. I'm thankful my kids have never had to experience that. I believe my children are very blessed in our home. I want to tell you, these children that we serve, our children at Sunny Glen, this is their reality. We had a child come to us that didn't know where his next meals were going to come from, so we noticed as he came to the house that he was placed in with those house parents that he began to hoard food. So any time there was food available, he would take that food and he would put it in his pockets and then they would find it the next morning. They would find packages that he had snuck into his room to have late at night and then they found a drawer and he had just stashed all these snacks and all this food and, and we talked with him and said, you know, why are you doing this? And he said, I have to. And I said, listen, you don't have to do that anymore. If you come into our houses, we have fruits and vegetables set out on the counter all day, every day, in every house. Why? Because when the child walks in and they see that, they know, hey, if I'm hungry, there's something for me to get. So when these basic needs are met, guess what can happen? They can shift out of that survival mode and begin to develop a mind that can logically reason and make decisions. But until you flip this, you're not going to see any change in behavior. That's one of the things we strive to do. And one of my motivations for working with children now is because I've worked with adults that have lived their life this way. I want to tell you, when you're 35, 40 years old, that is very difficult to change. But a child that's 8, 9, 10 years old, there's a lot of hope. If you can teach that child and show them a better way. The psalmist writes in Psalm 25, verse 20, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. This is a quote that we have on our campus that all of our children learn, and it's never let your circumstance or experience become excuses for ungodliness. We believe in integrity. We believe in the standard of God's word, and we try to teach that every day to our children. Now, do they always abide by it? Let me ask you this. Do you always abide by it? I'll tell you, we have ups and downs. We have good days. We have bad days. But this is the goal. 
And when you sit there with a child that's been abused and neglected and left alone to fend for themselves at 10 years old, and all of a sudden you put them in a relationship in a home where they're cared for, and you start teaching them, listen, you're accountable for the decisions you make. You're accountable how you talk to people. That's a large change that has to take place. But we believe it starts with the Word of God. A little bit of history about Sunny Glen. It was actually established in 1936 in Laferia, Texas, which is another town out between Harlingen and Westlaco or McAllen, if you're familiar with the Rio Grande Valley at all. And it began with six children. And the way it began was there was a family who were members of the Church of Christ who had become acquainted with some families in the valley and those parents died. And there were children who were left and were totally orphaned and they didn't have any other family. And these members of the church said, we have a home, we're going to take these children in. And they took those six children in and they began this ministry or this work. And today it's grown to our campus there in San Benito, uh, where we have five cottage-style homes. And each house can hold between seven to eight children, depending on the needs that we have at the current time. So we've grown from one house with six children in 1936 to now where we can take care of almost 40 children at any given time on our campus. And we're thankful for brethren who have supported this effort and allowed us to continue to do this work. More than 7,800 children over the past 82 years have been served by Sunny Glen Children's Home. Some children will stay there for six months some children will stay with us for six years some may stay there until they graduate high school and even beyond depending on their in their case or their circumstances with their family we believe we're a place of refuge and hope we're a loving home for abused and neglected children we serve the physical emotional and spiritual needs of the children and our desire is to inspire hope for a better future by building trusting relationships with these children and if you look at that picture, that's our Sunday morning church service. Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we have a campus-wide church service. And I want to tell you, that church service, you know what it looks like? It looks just like what we did this morning. We come together and we sing. We pray. We have various men from local congregations come and speak and give lessons to the children. We partake in the Lord's Supper together. I want to tell you, we even pass a plate and take up a collection. And you say, these poor kids who have nothing, you're taking a collection. I want to tell you, yes, we are. Because we want them to know about the Lord's church. We want them to know every aspect of the Lord's church and how the church ought to function and what the church ought to look like. Because when that child leaves Sunny Glen, we want them to have been impacted, and we want them to say, hey, when I was at Sunny Glen, this is how we worshipped God, and I want to find a church that worships God the way that we worshipped at Sunny Glen. And I want to tell you what that contribution has done for our kids. They have a purpose every Sunday morning. And nothing will touch your heart like seeing 25 to 30 kids come out of their homes all carrying a dollar bill to come to church. When that plate is passed, they put that money in that basket. I want to tell you, this past year we were made aware of a need by some brethren in India. 
that there had been a fire in a village and it destroyed about six to eight homes in that village and they were trying to raise funds and I said, you know what, kids, we've got some money set aside from your contribution that you have made. What do y'all think about sending some of this money to these brethren in India? To a child, they said, that sounds like a great idea. So we wrote a check for about $400, and we sent that over to them, and they sent a letter handwritten back to our kids, and you should have seen their faces. They're, They're getting a picture of the kingdom of God. That it's not just about them at Sunny Glen because the kingdom is larger and we're all connected. I want to tell you, those kids are a part of that kingdom. Whether you and I realize it or not, the Lord has added them to His kingdom. Spiritual training. We believe in Christian values and we focus on biblical training in the homes and on our campus. We remind every child that they are valued and loved by a God who wants to be a father to them. And we provide opportunity for growth and development. You know, we have young men that get up and lead songs. And some of these young men from the time they were three years old were getting up here with their dads, learning how to mark time and lead a song. But we have some young men on our campus that never had that opportunity. I can't tell you how many songs I've led since I started leading songs. I want to tell you, I wasn't ten I was 19 before I led my first song, and I was scared to death. But I see these young boys get up here with their dads, and they're being trained on how to lead God's people in worship, and it's a wonderful thing to see. We had a young man that attended a church service for the first time in his life with us at North 7th Street a little over a year ago when I first moved, moved in. And we had a Wednesday night where we did singing night, and I don't know if you guys do singing night like we do, but essentially we start at the front, and any male member that wants to get up and lead a song, you get up and you lead a song. If you have a young son, then he gets up there with you, and he leads a song. Well, it got back to the back row, and one of our house parents, Mr. Lopez, Alex Lopez, many of you know, he had a young man with him, one of our children, That young man said, can I lead a song? We said, sure. So he went up to the front of that building, and he stood there with Mr. Lopez, and Mr. Lopez said, what song do you want to sing? He said, I don't know any of these songs. (laughs) He said, you don't know any of the songs? And he's like, I don't know any of these songs. And Mr. Lopez says, do you know Amazing Grace? And he said, I think so. He said, well, do you want to lead that one? And he said, yeah. He led God's people singing Amazing Grace. You know, I sat there that night in that assembly and I thought of all the things I take for granted. How many opportunities I've had to stand up in front of God's people and lead a song. How many opportunities my boys have had to get up and lead God's people in worship and being trained and learn those things. And here stood this 15-year-old boy who didn't even know any church songs at all. I can't remember the last song I led, what that song was, but you know what? That young man will remember that song for the rest of his life. I'm assured of that. Because what leading that song showed him is that he had a place of belonging. And not only a place of belonging, but a place of acceptance among God's people. Those are the moments we live for at Sunny Glen.
We teach our children to respond to life's challenges. And I want to tell you, they've already been through more challenges than a lot of us have ever even imagined. But we believe in the standard of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 that says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We believe God's Word has the answers. Not only does He have the answers for us in our life, but we believe He has the answers for these children. They need counseling. They need therapy. But I want to tell you, all of that without God's Word, they're still going to have something missing for the rest of their life. But God's Word gives them everything that they need. These cards that I've got a picture of up here, you think of these cards and you say, well, what are those? Those are called coping cards. And any time a child feels like they're becoming upset or anxious or Something is making them mad and they want to react. We encourage them, hey, where are your coping cards? And they have those cards and they may have breathing techniques. For instance, this one here, it says four, seven, eight breathing. So it says inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, and then exhale for a count of eight. And it just helps them to calm themselves as a, a physiological response to the anxiety or anger that they're experiencing. And it helps to control that. But I want you to notice what's on the back of that. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So yes, we teach them these coping strategies that the world thinks they came up with, but we reinforce those with what? With the Word of God. That, hey, you need to control your reactions to things, not just so you don't overreact and hurt someone, but because God expects you to, and God gives us the ability to. And once you tap into a child's mind and convince them that, hey, I have the ability to regulate my emotions, I have the ability to calm myself down, it's amazing the transformation that can take place. Because they're being equipped, not with worldly answers, but they're being equipped with the Word of God. We have a young man on our campus right now that he came to us, I believe, almost two and a half years ago. And when he came to... Sonny Glenn and, and the home and the program, he was two years behind in school. This young man turned 18 this year, and he was still going to have to go for two years of high school to graduate. He was going to be 20 years old by the time he graduated high school. You know what's happened in the last year? He got a part-time job, and he got motivated. And even having a part-time job, he was going to school, not just full-time, but trying to make up hours so he could cut a year off of that two years. He cut that year off, even having a part-time job. Well, then after Christmas, guess what happened? He lost that job. And I was very concerned because everything had kind of turned around for him, and he had been making really good decisions. I said, this could set him back. But you know what he told me? He said, Mr. Chase, that's just business. Sometimes people have to fire people because they can't afford to pay them, and that was just my position. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. They just couldn't afford to keep me. And I said, that's very mature. And I said, well, now what do you want to do? Do you want to get another, another part-time job? He says, no, if I stay at school longer every day, I can cut that last year off, and I can graduate in May. I want to tell you, he's going to graduate high school this May. Made up two years of schoolwork in less than a year. 
and he'll tell you why he did it. Because he sees a future for himself now that he didn't see for himself three years ago. This young man has obeyed the gospel. This young man helps and assists at church services and leads and very special. I want to tell you, that can happen with every child if we put in the time, the work, and the effort. 30,000 children in the Texas foster care system. 30,000. I want you to honestly try to wrap your mind around that number for a second. I think in Harlingen, I think our total population is about 75,000. So that's about half the population of Harlingen. How many kids we have in the state foster care system. These aren't kids that are at risk of falling into the system. These are kids in the system. And I want to tell you that number's not getting smaller. But we're seeing that number escalate all the time. And sometimes our staff come to me and we say, are we really making a difference? Can we really do anything about this? And I want to tell you, the need is overwhelming. I wish we could take all 30,000 of those kids in and give them a home and take care of them today. But the reality is we can't. We have 40 beds. We strive to keep those beds full and help kids that we can help. When Sonny Glenn called and offered me this position, I honestly had to do a lot of soul searching because I want to be honest, at one time I thought in my heart and in my mind, do places like Sonny Glenn really even need to exist? Because, you know, we're creating this program and this, this place where these kids can go, but do we really need to do that? Is, and I want to tell you, the answer is no. And I believe God's people could rise up to the challenge, but here's what it's going to take. How many of those 30,000 are you going to take home with you today? And then I found myself answering that question differently. There's always going to be kids in need, and there's going to be places that won't provide a home for them, and we need people who will step up and provide a home for them. And after working there and being there for a year, I can tell you my honest evaluation is, yes, we need places like Sunny Glen Children's Home. You know why? Not because we can take care of all 30,000, but we can take care of the ones we can impact. And we're giving them more than food on a table. We're giving them more than shelter. We're giving them more than clothing. We're giving them the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And nothing could take that away from them. You see all those starfish there. That represents a story that I heard a few years back. Most of you probably know the story. There was a young boy and his grandfather, and they were walking along the beach. And as they were walking, they noticed the shoreline was riddled with thousands of starfish. And the tide had come in and left those starfish, and those starfish were going to die if they weren't put back in the water. 
And as this grandfather and his young grandson walked along, every few feet, the grandfather would reach down, grab a starfish, and throw it back in the water. And they'd keep walking. He'd reach down, throw another one in the water. He'd reach down, throw another one in the water. And finally, the grandson said, Grandpa, you can't save all of these. And that grandfather kept walking, reached down, grabbed another one, showed it to his grandson, and threw it back in the water and said, but I saved that one. I wish we could house all 30,000 kids today. We can't. But we're going to do the best we can to serve those 40 that are on our campus. You know what? We don't do that alone. We do that with brothers and sisters in Christ all over this country. It really boils down to an evangelistic mindset because I see Sunny Glen as a mission field. We're investing our time, our talents, our finances into the lives of these children, planting seeds of hope and love and kindness and the gospel that eventually we hope and pray will provide a harvest and give them a chance that they otherwise wouldn't have. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6 says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth an increase. We make a difference one child at a time. Just like evangelistically as a body, we make a difference one soul at a time. And that soul is valuable when it's yours. I want to tell you, on our campus right now, we have 28 young children who have a home who this morning in the rain got up and went to church and worshipped God, just like we did. You know why we're able to do that? Because you're willing to plant, and we're willing to water, and God is going to provide increase. We have faith in His work and in His plan. Because Christ restores. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came to what? I am come to give life, and life more abundantly. See that picture there? There was a lot in that young lady's life that Satan had stole from her. There were a lot of things in life that happened to her at a very young age that were very unfair. There were things she experienced that no child should ever have to experience. You see the smile on her face? Because that moment she was buried with Christ in baptism, guess what Christ restored? Everything that Satan tried to steal from her. Christ Guess what she is today? She's an heir. She's got the promises of God waiting for her. And she's living in those promises today. Are you? Those are the days we live for. at Those are the days that we sit back and say, it's worth it. It's worth the long nights. It's worth the challenge in meetings. 
It's worth the frustrations of working with the system and government and politics and all the things that impact the care that we try to provide for our kids because that soul is valuable to God. We say thank you. One of my goals in giving this presentation is to hope that brethren understand that we're not doing this alone. I'm there in San Benito, and we have staff and house parents who live there who take care of these kids day in and day out, and some of you have been in those homes and taking care of these kids, and I think you feel connected to that, but I want you to know you as a congregation are connected to this work. And because of your support, financially and otherwise, we're able to continue doing this work. And we thank you for that sacrifice that you make on our behalf and on the behalf of our children. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We see ourselves and our ministry and work as a part of the kingdom of God. An outreach and an opportunity to take the gospel and the love of Christ to children who might otherwise never be exposed to it. We can't do that without you. So we thank you for your love and your support of this effort. You know, I think these opportunities are a great chance for unity in the body of Christ. You look at the body of Christ and you see a lot of different ideas. We differentiate ourselves in different ways because of certain teachings or things and and through the years, we've seen a lot of damage done to the body because of division and egos and pride and some of those kind of things. I, I want to tell you, I see Sunny Glen as a great opportunity for unity because at the end of the day, if we can't be in agreement to take care of children who have been neglected and abused and provide for them, and we can't come to an agreement on that, we've missed the picture of what Christ has called us to do. At the end of the day, we're taking care of kids who have no other opportunity. And that's where our mission lies, and that's the work that we strive to do. Now, always people ask me, well, how can we help? What can we do? I want to share a few things with you. First of all, I want you to notice that passage in James 1 and 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Come visit our campus. It's only six hours from here. As many times as we drive up here, I want to tell you, you can drive down there. That road runs, I've noticed, it, we get back. Every time we come up here, we get back. So I know there's a road that you can leave from here and get to San Benito and come to our campus. I'm thankful Brother Jay is here, and he's in the audience. He always told me, he said, if you get people to the campus, they fall in love. I want to tell you, if you come to the campus, you're going to fall in love. Because you're going to see the program, and you're going to see these kids. And you're not going to see downtrodden, depressed kids. You're going to see kids playing and having fun. And then when you think about their circumstances, to see that, it makes an impact. Come visit with us on our campus. Volunteer. 
You say, well, how can I volunteer? Well, we do special fundraising events through the year. If you let me know that you're interested in helping, whenever we're going to have an event, we'll make sure you know and you can come down and help with an event. Uh, you can come down and volunteer to do a maintenance project. There's all kinds of needs that we have on our campus that you can directly come and minister and have an impact on the lives of our children. Share our mission with your family and friends. Talk about the work that you're being made aware of that's taking place and the difference that it's making the lives of these children. Send cards or messages of encouragement. And I want to tell you, don't send them to me. Send them to our house parents. I want to tell you, that work is not easy. And I know some in the audience here have been house parents and some very good friends of mine have been house parents and they'll tell you it was the hardest thing we ever did. But then I notice a lot of times they have all kinds of stories that bring smiles to their faces because they remember the good that they were able to do. Maybe you're interested and the elders might get on to me for saying this, but maybe you want to come be a house parent for a year or two. Get in touch with Love to have you come and participate and work with our kids. But send cards and messages of encouragement to our staff, uh, to our house parents. Follow us on Facebook. That's a good way to stay connected to events and happenings. And we have Bible studies, devotionals, and those kind of things that we post from time to time. So that will keep you in the loop. Uh, financial support on a monthly basis or any type of recurring donation would be welcomed. Uh, donating to special fundraising efforts. Uh, usually two to three times a year, we try to send out solicitations to raise funds for a specific project. That's a good opportunity. Consider a lasting gift in your will. Uh, we try to encourage people that you know, that's an opportunity for you to have an impact even past the time of your existence on this earth. And uh, we have a lot of people who have taken advantage of that opportunity and have been a great blessing to the organization. But here's what I really want to ask you for today. I don't care if I leave with a dime for Sunny Glen today. I don't care if I leave with a check. That's not why I'm here. I want you to pray for our kids. If I leave here today and you assure me, Chase, I'm going to pray for your kids tonight, then, hey, it was worth me coming up here. Because I believe God hears our prayers as his people. And we need everybody we can advocating for our children. If you'll say a prayer for them, that would be much appreciated. I want to tell you about this woman that's on the screen. Her name is Dr. Rosalinda Mercado. She's our new board president. Most of you, if not all of you, know Brother Wayne Lowry. Brother Wayne served as the board chairman, the board president, for about three and a half to four years. And I want to tell you, he did an outstanding job, and we appreciate his work being on that board of directors and helping guide the organization. Brother Wayne stepped away, and it was time for someone else to step up into that leadership role, and it was apparent that Dr. Mercado was the person that we needed. If you don't know this, all of our board members have to be members of the Church of Christ. That's in our bylaws. For us to exist as an organization, all of our board members have to be members of the Churches of Christ. So if you ever have doubts or questions about the direction that we're going as an organization or what we're teaching our children, hope that puts your mind at rest. And Dr. Mercado is certainly a sister in Christ. She earned her Bachelor's of Science in Inter Interdisciplinary Studies from Abilene Christian University. 
She has a PhD in curriculum and instruction from Texas A&M. She spent 17 years in kindergarten through 12th grade education. She was a former principal of a charter school in downtown Houston for about 12 years. She understands challenging kids. She's now the CEO of eColors in Education and provides training to organizations and leaderships on how to identify talent and how to mold that talent to fit the organizational structure in which they're working to greater impact and make a difference in the lives of others. She's a former board member of the Prevent Child Abuse Texas, serving on that board for many years. As a teenager, she lived at Sunny Glen Children's Home. People ask me, what happens to your kids when they leave Sunny Glen? I say, some of them go get their bachelor's and they go get their doctorate. They become a principal. They run their own nonprofit and as a CEO, and then they come back and serve on our board of directors as our board president. <laughs> she wrote her dissertation about her life experience and talks about how she went from a marginalized child brought over to this country illegally, abused physically, emotionally, and sexually by her father and her brother. And then at 15 years old said, I'm not doing this anymore. She walked out of her house with a bag. And she walked to Sunny Glen. Knocked on the door. And said, can I live here? Sunny Glen welcomed her with open arms. And she'll tell you, that one decision changed everything else about her life. That's what can happen. When we're moved with compassion to help people that are in need. It almost makes me ashamed to complain about anything in my life. One thing she always says, people could abuse her body, people could take her body in some ways and do whatever they wanted to, but they could never take her mind. Focus that mind on serving God. And her life was changed because of it. I'm thankful to have her as our board president. She can advocate for our children in a way that I can't. She can reach our children in ways that I can't. And I want to tell you, she's not just a board president that's absent and comes to four meetings a year. She comes to campus usually about two to three Sundays a month to worship with the kids at 9 a.m. with her own kids. She's very directly involved with the work and the ministry. So we're thankful to have her. The last thing I want to talk to you about is this project. This building is located in downtown Harlingen at 101 East Jackson Street. It's 6,000 square feet of space on the bottom level and 6,000 square feet of space on the top level. We've been able to purchase that building with no debt. We had a donor that said, we want to see a program started, and we want to see your ideas, and we want to see what you would want to do with it, and this building was for sale. We came up with a concept and an idea, and we have purchased that building. We're in the process of remodeling that downstairs portion to become a thrift store to allow us to use gently donated items, 
or items that have been gently used to resell to generate revenue to fund some of our programming. But in addition to that, it's going to provide part-time jobs for our kids. The upstairs is actually going to be what's called a transitional living space. The state calls it a supervised independent living program. That's for kids who graduate high school who typically age out of foster care at 18 because 25% of that population immediately become homeless. If they age out of foster care at 18, 25% of those kids become homeless instantly because they have nowhere else to go. So our kids that graduate in our program who enroll in college or a tech school to learn a trade, guess what? We're going to provide housing. We're going to meet their needs. And they're going to live independently of our campus in an apartment-style setting to bridge that gap between being a child at Sunny Glen to becoming a productive, contributing adult to society. We're excited about this opportunity and this program. And I'll be happy to share more with you about that after we're finished. I appreciate this opportunity to be with you. I know this is unique and it may be different, but at the end of the day, we're being the light that Jesus calls us to be. He says a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And for many years, maybe we wanted to hide in the corner and just try to meet little needs here and there. Nothing against that, but you know what? I think we have a lot more potential. And I see a greater potential even for Sunny Glen and the efforts and the programs that we can offer to our communities and especially to these children who are hurting and looking for answers. So I appreciate this opportunity to share with you the mission of Sunny Glen. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you're hurting. Maybe there's something in your life you know isn't right. Maybe you feel convicted and pricked in your heart that you need to make some changes. There's no better place for you to be than right here today with God's people. We're not here to judge. We're not here to point fingers. All we're here to do is love and encourage one another. And we want to do that for you if you're in need. If you're here today and you need the forgiveness of Christ in your life, you need to be baptized and born again into his kingdom, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. We're going to offer that invitation to you. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. God makes a promise to give you peace and rest if you come to him. We believe he can deliver that to you this afternoon.